Hi everyone, this is Dr. Michael Wald and you're listening to Ask the Blood Detective. Today's show is all about, well, quite frankly, confusion, uh, misunderstandings regarding misinformation regarding cancer care as I've seen it on these various cancer sites on Facebook. So you might be thinking, why am I talking to you about Facebook? Well, I recently started a Facebook group uh, ask the Blood Detective, and I received various questions on different types of health issues and natural health and all of that. But I'm also linked to other groups, such as the cancer groups. And as I read through the majority of the posts, I'm becoming increasingly um, fearful for people with cancer making the wrong choices, uh, and also um, astounded at the level of inaccuracy of uh, practically all the recommendations. Uh, there are some accurate statements in, in a few of them, but I would say overwhelmingly 98% of them are just absolutely wrong. So I thought what I would do as I sit here in front of my computer is uh, just kind of look over some of these and talk about why they're wrong. Because rather than letting you know the right thing to do for cancer, and, and I'll talk about that, I thought maybe it would be a, a good approach and a very good way to learn to hear the wrong things about how to approach cancer. I also want to mention that I'm very surprised at the level of trust that complete strangers have for one another on these various Facebook uh, cancer pages. And what I'm talking about is not just limited to the cancer pages. I've been on a lot of other uh, disease uh, pages, everything from intermittent fasting to you name it, I've been there, and the majority of the information is, is absolutely wrong. You know, a good number of people, it seems, on these pages have a very negative opinion about chemotherapy, uh, radiation, and in some cases even a surgery for removing or debulking uh, cancer. And that will lead a person to a holistic or, or alternative ways of thinking about things. But I would just caution everyone to maintain an open mind uh, regarding what traditional medicine has to offer. I'm not saying that if you or a friend or family member or loved one gets cancer that you should only consider, I'm just saying consider, chemotherapy, radiation, and surgery if, if it's recommended. But to combine it intelligently and as correctly as possible with the natural health approaches, what I call adjunctive or holistic nutrition. For those of you just joining us, my name is Dr. Michael Wald. You're listening to Ask the Blood Detective. To reach me with your questions about this show or to give comments or suggestions about other shows that you want to hear, you can call me at 914-552-1442. That's 914-552-1442. You can also use that number if you want to arrange an appointment with me either in person or via distance. Now, you can email me your concepts and questions to info at blooddetective.com. And you can visit my website, particularly the blog section, which has all the radio shows, or you can search the search bar on most pages of the website for tons of free material. 
and the website is drmichaelwald.com. Okay, so let's look at some of these Facebook pages here as I scroll down. So first of all, someone's saying how upset she is because she ordered this uh, FECO oil from someone, a vendor, and uh, it was never shipped to her, and then the vendor blocked her from Messenger, so she didn't even get her product, so that, that's one thing. You might not get a good product, you might not get your product at all. So it's important that when you're dealing with cancer care, is you purchase products, hopefully from healthcare providers that formulate their own products that are pharmaceutical grade. How you will know that they are pharmaceutical grade and it's not just a matter of the healthcare provider wanting to make extra income, which by the way, there's nothing wrong with, is ask the healthcare provider for a full disclosure label. That means it's a sheet of paper that is an assay of the uh, potency of the product itself. And you just won't get these from most products purchased in stores. And you don't have to believe me. You can call them up and ask for it. They'll either tell you what is that when you ask them for a full disclosure label or uh, they'll say that they'll send it to you and it never arrives. The next post I see here is someone's asking, uh, does anyone use poke root for lymph nodes? Um, she says that I see they are toxic, question mark. So um, any herb is toxic at a particular dose and it is also useful at a particular dose. Now, she's not even clear on what she needs here. So she wants to know about poke root for lymph nodes. Are we talking about a lymph disease like Hodgkin's or non-Hodgkin's lymphoma? Is she talking about a more benign but very annoying and uh, condition known as lymphedema that really affects quality of life? Well, the point is that the natural substance needs to match the condition, but the natural substance not only must match the condition, and we can be talking about any concern here, folks. We don't have to be talking about cancer. The dose must match the condition, the person, their particular needs, their medications, their health goals, where they are now, do they absorb normally, all kinds of factors, what chemo they're getting, how often are they getting it, are they getting radiation, how often are they getting that, have they had surgery, when was that, etc. Next, so there's a comment here where the gentleman says that um, sharp pain from lymph node enlargement is a natural progression of cancer. And he says, please consider addressing the root cause individually. If done properly, you can reverse cancer naturally. Cancer naturally. Um, it's possible. Nutrition and uh, healthy lifestyle is best for the avoidance of cancer in the first place or delaying its onset or allowing the body to express cancer but not necessarily as, uh, as virulent or uh, aggressive as it might have been if you didn't practice natural health. Now having said that, I have many people, many, many, many people over the years, my 30 plus years of experience in the natural healthcare field managing uh, cancer care is um, there are many people who eat perfectly well and they have for decades and they ended up with metastatic cancer. So natural medicine and nutrition is not a cure-all and it's not a guarantee. So for this individual to say if you address the root cause, you'll reverse cancer naturally is a lie. Does it happen? Can it happen? Yes. Can you reverse cancer naturally most of the time? No, you cannot. And if someone out there, particularly a healthcare provider, disagrees, 
that's fine. I want you on this show. And before you come on the show, I want to see at least, I'll let you off easy, 10 cases, files of individuals that had cancer and didn't that you can show use natural care. I will look over those charts. I will call each of those people. I will interview them. I will see them if I have to because if you can show that to me, that would be amazing. Now, keep in mind, folks, I am not ignorant in the natural healthcare field. I have more degrees and certifications than most practitioners. I'm well aware of the concept of curing cancer and other conditions naturally. What I'm saying here is that, here's what I'm really saying. Traditional cancer care combined with natural health care, in my humble opinion, works much better for survivability and quality of life than either natural health care or chemotherapy radiation done alone and separate. Okay, but we want to watch out for these global statements that, number one, if you find the root cause, you're great, you're going to cure anything, and you can reverse cancer naturally as if it's a given. And if it doesn't happen for you, it's somehow your fault. Okay, that's not true. Now, what about this uh, finding the, the cause, the root cause of things? Well, in my mind, root causes imply what, I, what is called in psychology black and white thinking. There is this cause. It's here or it's there. It's yin or it's yang. See, yin, yang, root causes, um, and black and white thinking, they're not holistic. And I think they're wrong ways of actually thinking. So there isn't really a yin and a yang, but the fact that we describe it as there are these two separate things, yin and yang, and they balance out one another, implies that they're not one thing. That It's just not right. And my point in that example is, if you relate to something in the wrong way, uh, and then you design a natural approach to it, it will generally be wrong. Okay, this has to do with semantics, really. And I've done a show on, on semantics and, and misrepresentations in our brains and how we interpret things wrong. So here's what I'm getting at. Maybe there is not a root cause. Maybe it is more appropriate to relate to the body as everything works together, not just within our bodies, but within our entire universe. Any delineations, any separations that we seem to think exist between ourselves and our immediate environment and our extended universal environment are fake. They're like fake news. They don't exist. Um, we are one with everything. That is just a fact of the design of the universe. So our natural therapy should be consistent with that. And our way of thinking about cancer should be that. So there may not be a cause in this universal connection of how things work. There may be multiple causes, and I say that with quotes because you can look at different things as causes. It's the immune system, it's the absorption, it's inflammation. But these are not separate things, but I just named them as if they were. See, we are inherently stuck in bad semantics, which which our brains take on and have us think about the world worse. And we're, we're guilty of this. I'm also guilty of this in the natural healthcare field. And certainly many of my patients are when they say, you know, Dr. Wald, I, you know, my, my medical doctor just doesn't get it and uh, doesn't get this nutrition and thinks it's all quackery. And, and one of the reasons why some MDs think that way is because they're stuck in the 
what is the cause, and that what they do is better than anything natural medicine. Those in natural healthcare, they tend to say the same thing in reverse. They say, you know, doctor, well, they don't understand why the doctor doesn't understand the, the use of herbs and vitamins and diet and lifestyle. And they make the MDs wrong, some of them, and then the MDs make a lot of natural health care wrong. So everyone is guilty of bias and ego positioning. We need to use things together because they can work better that way. They can work much, much better that way. Let's see what else we have on the um, Facebook uh, cancer page here that I'm looking at. So someone else says, well, you know, this person with these large lymph nodes, are they off all cooked food? If not, that could stimulate cancer growth. All right, so I get it. Uh, cooked food is dead, it doesn't have the right enzymes, it's lower on the energy scale, so it's not gonna contribute anything to the body. Well, that's not exactly true because unless you burn it to a crisp, there's still nutrition in it. Um, are there fewer enzymes in it? Probably, I would say yes. Um, do I believe that uh, plant-based foods and foods consumed lower on the, uh, the, the food chain, for example, are healthier? For overall health and well-being, yes. For overall health and well-being, I do. However, be careful semantically, everyone. The globalization, the global statement that I made that plant-based foods or veganism is better for most people. Remember, most people does not exist. The closest you can get to what most people need is by averaging them out and dividing them into men and women. And then an average man or woman doesn't exist. Who cares about that? All I care about is you. I care about the individual and the individual's needs as they change over their lifetime and during the course of their disease. And then we wanna fix what we find in that individual. And any information that I gather from the medical and nutrition literature about the average needs of people, the average needs, I, you know, I take with a grain of salt, so to speak. I hope that makes sense. When we make generalizations that you know, you should detox. Well, detox what? Metals, uh, estrogen, uh, arsenic, inflammatory mediators, antibodies. You know, if you don't know what you're detoxing, you can't detox it. Uh, generalized ways of detoxing may not focus on what you actually need to have detoxed. In addition, all these people now are talking about, let's say, CBD oil. CBD oil will cure everything under the sun. Okay, here's the, the long and short of that. No, it won't. No, it won't. So if you try it and you think you cured something, fantastic. Wait a month and a half. See if it's still gone or if it was just, you know, the placebo effect wearing off. I am not saying there's no value in CBD oil. There is. But most people are not taking the right dose. Most people malabsorb. They're taking doses far too low. They don't know if there are metals in these products. They don't have assays. So it's another one of these, uh, you know, flash in the pan sort of things. It's a fascinating one though, CBD oil. It's incredible and makes no sense to me why it is so uh, popular. Having said that, I do supply it to patients, but carefully and as needed. And then what about this intermittent fasting stuff and paleo diets? Well, you know, paleo used to be the thing. Now it's starting to fade in the background from CBD and intermittent fasting. This is just how the psychology of the culture tends to work. These things don't become popular because they work. They become popular because 
they're being pushed by people who want to make a lot of money. And then some people try them, and maybe a lot of people try them, and if they perceive anything positive at all, whether it really exists or not, it's advertised on Facebook and social media, which creates a whole frenzy and this fake fakeness going through the whole culture. Am I saying that the paleo diet and intermittent fasting are useless? I didn't say that. There are times when they can work, if done correctly for the person, beyond these standard ways of you do them, you know, like do your intermittent fasting a specific way. But if you have other health concerns, they need to be factored in. And intermittent fasting, by the way, is no cure-all. So you'll find that out if you haven't, you know, already found that out. So we want to be careful with all these globalizations floating around. All right. So what else do we have here on the Facebook cancer page? Juicing. The person says, is juicing the same as detoxing or are there herbs to do detox? So this person obviously has no concept of much other than that there's something called detoxing. I mean, to ask if there are herbs that do that means he hasn't even done any research at all um, because, of course, that's one of the first things you learn is the use of herbs for proper detoxing. So are there herbs to help detoxing? And is detoxing the same as, what did this gentleman said? Same as juicing. So um, no, you can juice with vegetables and uh, they have many health benefits obviously because of the nutrition in them, their high level of enzymes or the phytonutrient and other very, very healthy uh, biological compounds. Many of them are, do promote detox, but what do we mean by detox? Are we talking about a concerted effort on the body that the body can maintain, this is my definition of detox, that actually removes unwanted compounds that otherwise would cause uh, deleterious effects in your body? Yes, that's what detox is. Can you use juices in particular uh, formulas of juicing to promote detox of different types of toxins? The answer is yes, that can be done. But juicing and detoxing are not the same. And herbs certainly can help detoxification. There are a number of herbs that enhance known detox pathways in the liver and the intestine that manage different toxins. Also, other herbs and nutrients you'd want to use to move toxins through the kidneys and not the intestinal tract. So that's something you may not have thought about. Depending on the type of detox you want to accomplish, if you have weak organ systems, you don't want to stress those organ systems out. So your detox has to move your toxins and cause them to be eliminated in a pathway, in a direction that doesn't cause extra stress upon the body. Does that make sense? I hope so, and if not, please let me know. So, someone else is saying that juicing causes cellular detox. You can do other detoxes for the liver, kidney, adrenals, colon, parasites, and for metals. So this person is sort of saying you can do different detox efforts to um, more or less focus on different organs. Uh, that is possible, uh, and it needs to be done correctly. So for example, if you wanna stimulate the adrenal glands, that have been worn out from years of just bad aging, let alone uh, toxin exposure, you might use licorice as one of the detoxification herbs because licorice increases uh, adrenal hormone output uh, to a level, if it's 
hypo-functioning or low-functioning that could bring it back in the normal range. And that signals the entire body to function better because we're all, every system of the body is linked up to the adrenals. And of course it is because nothing's not linked up. When this gentleman says we can do detoxes for the adrenals, for the colon, for this, that, and the other thing, yes, we can push nutritional formulas to engage organs more or less, but we're always involving multiple organ systems during a detox uh, process. That could be an arbitrary thing that happens as a result of your efforts, or it could be a concerted thing that you and your healthcare providers decide is the best thing for you. Okay, I hope that makes sense. Let's see what else we have on the Facebook cancer page. Before I do that, again, I'll introduce myself. I'm Dr. Michael Wald. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, For those of you who are new, again, so much appreciated. I get calls virtually every day of people thanking me for the topics, giving me new topics and, and different insights into things that they learned by listening to the show. So that's just so gratifying for me. So to get your show concepts to me, questions, you can call me, schedule with me if you like at 914-552-1442 and you can email me at info at blooddetective.com. Okay, so what else do we have here? Someone says, with so many different types of cancer, how do you all, and this is someone who posted something on the Facebook page, so they're saying, how do you all, everyone on the Facebook page, determine the best course of action? I've heard certain protocols only help certain cancers. How do you find this info? So again, this person is admittingly uh, just ignorant in this whole area. So she seems to have a clue that different cancers need different things. And I'll go further to say that the same cancer and different people need different things. And those different things change over time as the person changes. And that has to be managed. Most people come to me having seen some very intelligent healthcare providers. They were on correct diets and supplementation and doing other lifestyle things. And there's a failure in updating their needs. They stay on the same things or essentially the same things without checking in on their chemistries. That is wrong. You're gonna waste so much time. You can literally, potentially, you know, kill yourself doing that, meaning you can miss important things, not see them coming. So, of course, all of this information I'm talking about, I'll give you the disclaimer. I'm not telling you how to manage your cancer. These are areas of education that you should consider. I'm saying and think about them. And always, always, Share what you're doing with your healthcare providers. Don't leave anyone in the dark. And they should be working together if at all possible. So now someone talks here about ozone. I have an opinion about ozone that is different than most of my uh, fellow practitioners. But I'll, I'll let you know uh, right out uh, of, of the, uh, right off base what I mean by that. Ozone t- is, to me, a cancer promoter. Ozone produces free radicals. Free radicals destroy healthy cells. I've seen too many people over the years that have engaged in various ozone therapies with negative effects. I would promote more oxygenating effects rather than ozonating effects like hyperbaric ambient air. That's air under pressure which increases oxygenation in a physiologic way. It is very difficult and uh, I think precarious work to use uh, ozone. That's my opinion and yes, I've read tons of material on ozone from some of the best people who are thought to know more about it than anyone like Dr. Majid Ali and um, 
these are, I'm not satisfied with the explanations and what I've seen. Okay, let's move on and see what else we have on the Facebook page. So, someone posts here that their cousin had advanced stage four cancer and is now completely healed. Now, what I'm pretty positive is happening there is they received chemotherapy and the chemotherapy suppressed the cancer markers and removed cancer therefore by causing uh, you know, shrinkage of tumors and or even death of a lot of the cancer, nothing's detected. So I'm going to email this individual or messenger them actually and ask for those details and I will get back to you on this. But I'm gonna promise you that's it and that this person is just ignorant and thinking that that actually means because you don't see anything after chemo on imaging tests or cancer markers on blood work that the person is healed. It doesn't mean that. All it means is those tests are negative. But if someone had stage four, by and large, those cancers come back with a vengeance. And this is what occurs. The cancer markers don't show after chemo if you're lucky in a sense, and your imaging tests may look good but that does not mean that the cancer is gone. In fact, I'm gonna message them right now, see if we can get a response before the end of the show. And a banana. Let me go to sugar and dairy because there's a post here on the Facebook cancer page. Someone says, please could you give me your thoughts on sugar and dairy and also bread and specifically breast cancer. She says, what about these foods and starving breast cancer? Um, I also want to just acknowledge that they, I did have some technical difficulties, so I hope that there weren't uh, um, spots that you're hearing in the show that were too long with no sound or sounds from the background. My apologies. So in terms of sugar, on my website at uh, drmichaelwald.com, if you search the search bar uh, on sugar, you'll get radio shows, uh, one radio show that I did called Sugar, the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, and also a list of about 50 or 60 things that sugar uh, causes in the body that are adverse and, and uh, have ill effects upon the body, potentially. Not everyone eating sugar gets diseases um, or gets diseases uh, more than some that are vegans, um, although I would say that there's less disease most likely in vegans and vegetarians and, and those that eat you know, plant-based type diets. But back to the point in question, sugar does seem to be uh, pro-inflammatory and hyperglycemia, particularly around the tumors. So a person could have blood sugar problems around cancer, but not necessarily in their blood. That's simply because the body compartmentalizes things. So we miss these problems because you can't really test sugar around a tumor unless you're a researcher with the proper equipment to do that. But if we assume for a minute that sugar is bad, and I would say it generally is, when it's refined and processed and there's just too much for the body to manage, that can push cancer cells. There are studies that show that sugar is an immune suppressant. 
And immunodeficiency, which is immune suppression, is common in uh, those with cancer, particularly those that do not survive. And uh, with bread, a similar concept, the refining processing and the stripping of nutrition uh, from white bread, let's say, uh, well, why do you think they named it Wonder Bread? Even the manufacturers of the bread wonder what the heck is in it. So that's my joke for the for the hour. Uh, so foods that are stripped of nutrition obviously don't add nutrition to the body. And diets that are closer to the American standard or the standard American diet, what's called the SAD, Standard American Diet, uh, or the SAD diet, uh, will have a very high um uh, occurrence of cancers, heart disease, diabetes, autoimmune diseases, and other inflammatory uh, conditions. And when it's specific to breast cancer, yes, uh, it's, I would say it's probably true to most cancers that eliminating or severely limiting those sorts of foods would be uh, in a person's best interests. Here's an interesting question someone uh, posted on uh, Cancer Healing the Holistic Approach Facebook page is, does iodine, does taking iodine supplements help the body get rid of radiation after having treatment? So first of all, by treatments, I, I'm guessing they mean radiation treatments. So what iodine does, most of you have probably heard, is it protects the thyroid gland from radiation. Um, radiation will have less of an impact upon the thyroid if it's loaded with iodine. Now this doesn't mean that you couldn't be exposed to a load of radiation upon your thyroid that no amount of iodine is gonna help you. And you all probably remember that when there, is, there are various nuclear meltdowns around the world that people tend to get iodine pills. Uh, and again, this makes some sense. But if you're taking iodine, to protect your thyroid, you need to be doing something about the rest of your body. Otherwise, you'll, the only remains that you'll have after your extreme radiation exposure will be a nice supple thyroid gland in a pile of uh, being dead. <laughs> so that's just not enough. Wrapping aluminum foil around your neck will give you more radiation protection than, uh, than consuming iodine, although both would be recommended if you happen to be in a zone where there's a radiation leak, you can't leave immediately and hopefully it's at a fairly low level uh, that you can ward off or survive longer without um, problems uh, because you've taken iodine and wrapped your neck and other areas of your body with aluminum foil because it'll reflect a, a certain amount of radiation that you're exposed to. So when this gentleman posting this question, does iodine supplements help the body get rid of radiation after treatments? The answer is absolutely no. Um, what can help do that, and I said help, it will not be a complete cure, is taking charcoal. Charcoal is a real radiation scavenger. When you have charcoal in your body, it can actually draw radiation to it and, the, and radiation uh, can bind to the charcoal in a sense. And by doing that, the body can reduce the radiation burden because of the charcoal intake. All the fancy talk I've seen on detoxification mechanisms, it's only been recently, the last few years, that charcoal is becoming uh, more mainstream for this purpose. 
or at least uh, put near the top of the list. I've heard of people putting charcoal in their juices, for example, which makes perfect sense. And it doesn't have a taste, although it'll look like you're drinking black sludge <laughs> because that's what charcoal will do. So another post here, I mean, I shouldn't be laughing at this. I'm not laughing at it. It's just unbelievable to me. Someone says, my father has been suffering from excessive cough because of a tumor in his neck. Any suggestions that might work in relieving the cough? Yes, get rid of the tumor is my answer. Um, someone said, uh, pineapple juice um, and how it's five times more effective than cough syrup. See, that's going to be useless because why, folks? The man has a tumor in his neck. There's no amount of pineapple juice or aloe vera juice or deglycerinated licorice or anything that's going to reduce that cough if that cough is producing a mechanical pressure upon the neck causing the cough. So these silly little things, and someone else put another posting, uh, by um, Graviola Prozono uh, drink, it's just not going to work. And here's this person holding up some cancer, uh, killing cancer, not people. So I'm going to guess that that book is all about not using uh, traditional cancer therapies ever, which is ridiculous. It just makes no sense. And let's see what else we have on the page. Okay, here's a post called Health Tip of the Day. And it's got this Dr. Raber who is a dentist, uh, saying that uh, the problem is that chemo resistance is very common in those with colon cancer. Up to 40% of patients receiving the most popular treatment, 5-FU-based chemo, do not survive. That's essentially true. If the cancer spreads to other locations of the body or metastasizes, the failure rate increases to about 50%. In other words, there's a 50-50 chance whether the drug will help or, or help you or not. And then he said, you could just flip a coin. Now, is, that's implying that you have no control over that, which is absolutely true. But 50% is pretty freaking good if you ask me. But then he says, meaning it's better than nothing. It's not 3%. But this is a manipulation. Uh, and it, he leads to this following solution. The solution, allicin from garlic has been demonstrated to affect telomerase, which is an enzyme which makes cancer cells immortal and helps cancer spread. Allison extract has been proven to selectively kill cancer by protecting healthy cells, promoting cancer cell death, which is called apoptosis, everyone, in stark contrast to allopathic drugs, which kill all cells, healthy or cancerous. And he says the oral therapeutic dosage of the Allison is one milligram per kilogram of body weight. So that brings up, a, there's a lot here, a lot here that we can use when we think about cancer care in general. Number one, there's manipulating statements like 50-50 is somehow really bad, but does that mean you shouldn't look at other things to improve your chances? Of course not. So he's suggesting garlic. Are you going to kill your cancer with garlic even if you take it at one milligram per kilogram? I promise you, you will not. And if you know anyone who has, you know what I'm going to say, right? What does the blood detective say? Show me the evidence. Show me the labs. Give me the person's number. Let me find it. Let me find that person because if they have cured their cancer with this, I'm going to yell it from the rooftops naked. I promise you I will do that. And I will say I am so sorry I doubted you, but you'll never be able to show me this person. Are there studies that show that garlic? So everyone, I did receive a response from that uh, 
message, message that I sent through Facebook regarding the patient who said that their cousin was cured of advanced stage four cancer. So their response was, well, here's what I sent. Uh, regarding your cousin who has been cured, I manage people with cancer naturally and have for 30 plus years. I would like to see the medical records to verify this, if you don't mind. I'm going to guess that the cure, quote unquote, is that the imaging tests, excuse me a moment, is that the imaging tests do not show cancer and that the blood cancer markers are negative. This is a cure in a sense, but is not a real cure. I'm also going to guess that chemotherapy and not natural therapies were used here. Am I wrong? Please let me know. But I would like evidence as people's lives are at stake. Thanks for understanding. And they responded to me and said, hi, all we have done is upload an email sent to us by a girl from Texas. So see, folks, there's nothing to this. Um, this person completely avoided um, my request. And uh, we have posts like this all over the Internet causing people to make erroneous decisions about their cancer care. Am I saying you should run to get chemo? I am not saying that. But most cancer cannot be cured without it. And once again, I'll say it before, even some of my colleagues out there, with all due respect, if you've got these cancer cures, show me the charts. Don't post things, don't email me statements, glowing statements about these miraculous cures. Give me the contact information and I will report it uh, online uh, and on this show if I've confirmed that it's really true. I'll, I'll go a lot further than that. All right, let's see what else we have. Listen to this post. This woman says, she posted, to the person who recommended this scammer to me when I asked for help for my husband, shame on you, she says in capitals. To the person who took, that took my money strung me along for weeks waiting for the uh, FECO 90-day protocol, shame on you. Shame on me for blindly believing. She's right about that. You talked to me for days about my husband before you talked me into buying anything. I'm paraphrasing. I really thought I was a smart person, but you took advantage of my hope, fed on my fear, and took my money without regret. My fault, I paid but karma is a bitch and she will be coming for you. <laughs> okay, so um, that's very sad, uh, but this person is no different than many others out there. Intelligent people who need something, who wanna believe in something, and they end up buying this or that supposed cure. It is amazing in this day and age that someone could believe such concepts, but they do. And we're all susceptible to being fooled. As far as karma, well, you know, I guess it's, it's uh, the popular thing to believe in karma, but I don't. Uh, and what I mean by that is that there are many people who will never get what is coming to them uh, because of, of, let's say, fooling other people. So karma seemingly will not affect them. But saying, you know, karma is a bitch to someone else is just a way of, for that individual to try to make themselves feel better on some level. But many of these scammers get away with things their whole lives and uh, they face no consequences. And that is just a fact. And then there's another uh, post here about acupuncture uh, in cancer. So are you going to cure your cancer with acupuncture? No, you're not. Um, are you going to help cancer pain and possibly nausea with acupuncture? That is absolutely possible. 
and for, for very clear-cut physiologic uh, ways, not to do with some mysterious energy meridians that may or may not be in the body. Now look, I don't mean to really criticize acupuncture. Uh, what I mean to say is that if you put acupuncture needles in a person that might stimulate their nervous system in such a way as to create certain chemicals like endorphins and kephalins and serotonins that help nausea and pain. So it's very simple. It doesn't mean that we're stimulating the gallbladder meridian on some thingy, uh, uh, you know, of energy in the body. When I was in acupuncture school, and yes, I did go to acupuncture school for about a year, I did drop out. I dropped out because there we were studying very hard all these different points on the body and what they meant. And then in the clinic, everyone made up whatever they wanted. And it didn't matter because people seemingly responded. Of course, these people were a self-selected group called students of acupuncture, which believed in it. But yes, there are other people who may not believe in it that might respond and lots of people who believe in it that will not respond. But let's not mistake that acupuncture will not cure cancer. And again, if you doubt me, show me just one person and you know what I'm gonna ask you for? I'm gonna ask for the evidence. We need to see evidence. Feeling better is just not enough. Here's another post. This um, woman is talking about her recent diagnosing with in situ, recent diagnosis rather, with in situ and invasive ductal carcinoma. And she is saying it's very aggressive and she says, I don't have the funds to heal holistically and I'm scheduled to start chemo this week. I'm accepting this opinion and thankful that my insurance will cover it. I guess by the opinion, she means the medical opinion. So she's asking, uh, she says, I'm wondering if anyone had advice on natural ways to heal uh, my best during uh, chemotherapy. My doctor's advice or advice is to keep inflammation low but not do high antioxidants in my diet as it will fight against the chemo. So let me start there for a second. Um, okay, so if this individual does not have the money to invest in natural health care, uh, then that is very unfortunate. Uh, natural health care is often not inexpensive, but without a comprehensive plan, I don't believe in my 32 plus years of experience that much good will come from people just popping some vitamins. Now, she mentions here that her doctor does not want her to add antioxidants because it'll fight against the chemotherapy. Okay, but this uh, question uh, in terms of antioxidants and chemotherapy has been looked at before in the scientific literature and no doubt will be looked at again. And the long and short of it is this, the statement by the oncologists, uh, in my opinion, based on my interpretation of literature is absolutely wrong. In fact, quite the opposite is true. The so-called antioxidants seem to help chemotherapy. Now, if it's so obvious that antioxidants can help chemotherapy work, why wouldn't a, an extremely intelligent person that is an oncologist not know that or not believe that or not support that? Well, it's really, again, a matter of semantics. When we talk about antioxidants, we're talking about nutrients that create or quench oxidants in the body, and oxidants are thought to be bad. First of all, oxidants can be bad because they can damage healthy cells, and oxidants can also be good because they can damage sick cells and break up those cells so that the body can 
get rid of them. So we need a balance of oxidant antioxidant effects in the body. So what I do is, as a blood detective, is I run tests of oxidation and antioxidation because if you don't run those tests, you cannot possibly know whether or not the so-called antioxidants you're taking are acting as antioxidants or acting as, what's the word? Oxidants. This is a huge point. Here's the semantic problem I was referring to a few moments ago. The term antioxidants is a misnomer because vitamin C or E or zinc, for example, or selenium or glutathione are called, or omega-3 fats, are called antioxidants, but they may act as oxidants in the body. And that would be a good thing if the body uses the oxidants to kill cancer cells. Now, the oncologist believes that antioxidants should not be used with chemo. The reason for that is some chemotherapy, not all. So again, to make the generalization that you shouldn't use antioxidants with chemotherapy is a very broad statement. Which chemotherapy are we talking about? Not all chemotherapy works as, here it is, works as an oxidant. Chemotherapy, certain forms of chemotherapy work as an oxidant, breaking down cancer cells, that's the idea. And also breaking down some healthy cells. So given this logic, it's easy to understand why the hematologist oncologist would be against the use of you taking antioxidants with his or her uh, oxidant chemotherapy because oxidation would counteract the antioxidants, right? But we know now that when you take a so-called antioxidant, it may act as an oxidant or antioxidant depending upon your chemistry. So that's why there are certain tests that should be done to see whether or not they're right for you. I hope that wasn't too confusing, but a very, very important point here. And then she says on this post here um, that she heard that uh, CBD may help with nausea. That's true. And that um, mushrooms might be important as well as curcumin. So here's the thing. Many mushrooms, particularly the Japanese mushrooms, have been studied for their anti-cancer effects and they're strongly anti-cancer when the right dose is taken. Curcumin or turmeric, again, exciting anti-cancer potential there. Now, if you're just taking curcumin by itself, you might as well throw that in the garbage because it's only about 5% bioavailable to your body. So only about 5% utilized in the body. That's different than absorption. Utilization is, is important. Now, if you have curcumin combined with biopterine, which is a carrier molecule, that allows the curcumin to go from a 5% bioavailability to a 95% bioavailability. Now, once you got the combinations right, you need to get the therapeutic doses to a point where they actually can have anti-cancer effects. Now, Detailed research that's been done over the last couple of decades, and I've been all over this research, says that a person needs approximately 36 different nutrients that are synergistic, herbs, vitamins, minerals, in order for them to work so well together that they act as if they're much higher levels in the blood, which are the doses required for anti-cancer effects. 36 minimal nutrients. You might say, well, that's impossible. Well, if it's impossible, then 
it's impossible for you. It's not impossible for other people. Also, it's possible to make a custom supplement that contains all of the nutrients that have been studied well in the scientific and nutritional literature and then compare them against your laboratories, your chemotherapy, and the rest of your health history and goals, etc., to then tailor that formulation for you. That is the best way, I've just told you, that is the best way to improve your chances of successfully fighting cancer. The research also shows, and this is based on individuals that are a lot smarter than I am in this area, it is the combination of chemotherapy, radiation, and nutrition that works best. If you forego the traditional therapies, you're likely going to live less long uh, and, uh, and die. Uh, this is true of most cancers, not all. And yes, there are exceptions to these rules, but they are very few and far between. And I'll remind you once again, if you think that I'm wrong and these examples are not so few and far between, you've heard about this doctor who had brain cancer and this person had that, okay, let's look at the evidence. Usually when I call these uh, physicians up or, or practitioners that make these claims, all of a sudden the patients have moved out of the state, they cannot locate the charts, I'm just letting you know what the back end of this sometimes looks like. There's another post here that says, it's actually from a practitioner, I have a patient with glioblastoma, which is brain cancer, a tumor, six centimeters, and the doctors say they can't operate and put her, uh, they can't put her on any cancer treatments because uh, she's already been operated on twice. Um, so now, what do you do? Um, no one here seemed to give some magic cure. They did mention Essiac tea. Um, so here's my opinion on that. Essiac tea is an interesting herbal combination. Uh, there's no evidence that it actually cures cancer. And any examples of it that you think you've heard about, and there are a couple floating out there, are not substantiated. They just are not substantiated. If you wanna believe the stories you hear, then you can do that but I'm interested in validating them. So we need to put our sensitivities aside sometimes because even I, as I report this to you, am thinking, well, you know, not everything is scientifically proved and you know, um, maybe why couldn't people be cured of these things? I got it, I get it. But where are these people? Let me see them now. Let me see the, let me see the files, let me see the labs. Let me see some proof. Having said all that, Nutrition in the forms of vitamins, minerals, herbs, phytonutrients, and dietary changes, and other lifestyle changes do often reduce morbidity and mortality in cancer because they increase nutriture or nutrition, which improves immunity, reduces inflammation, helps healing, offsets the loss of lean body mass in the, in the, uh, in the individual. The, the, the greater the lean body mass loss, the greater the um, accelerated pace to the grave. So you want to maintain lean mass. I don't care if you suck on air, you meditate, you take nutrients. If you are not increasing your lean body mass, you are not going to live longer or better. I'll even go further to say this. If your cancer tests show that your cancer markers are reducing or are absent and your imaging tests look great from, let's say, the chemo you did, if your lean mass is worse, that probably did not extend your life. So we want to get everything that is possible here. The combination of nutrition with standard, the standard of care can improve lean body mass, offset 
side effects that often occur from chemo fairly immediately and outwards of decades after chemotherapy. So if you don't maintain your health and start to at least build some health after you've gotten chemotherapy, it's just not going to be a, a pretty road uh, down the road. Here's a very interesting and important post. So this is by a woman named Susan. She says, hello, everyone. I'm cancer-free now after having a mastectomy uh, due to an estrogen-positive tumor. I've been using progesterone cream to balance my hormones instead of using medication. Can anyone recommend how to test if the overproduction of estrogen is being checked by this? Uh, her grammar's a bit off, but basically she's taking progesterone cream. So I'm guessing she's taking that because she heard somewhere that that counteracts the negative effects of estrogen-related cancers such as um, many forms of breast cancer. Not all breast cancer, as you know, is estrogen um, dependent. Well, knowing a little chemistry could be a dangerous thing. So I want you to picture this in your head. Uh, above your head is uh, the word progesterone. And progesterone produces estrogen. It could produce a favorable estrogen or a very bad estrogen called 17-estradiol. And you just, you just can't know in an individual how and what type they're producing. So this person is very likely increasing the risk of a cancer recurrence, um, maybe not in her breast because they were removed, but in her ovaries, for example, because they are also very estrogen sensitive and progesterone can become estrogen. So then she's asking, is there a test to figure this out? There is a urine test which measures the three different types of estrogens and then you do a little math to figure out whether or not the balance is pro or anti-cancer. It has some validity, but it's not, it's not perfect um, to say the least. One could measure saliva or blood levels of hormones, but these tests do not tell you tissue sensitivity. In other words, a person could have a normal estrogen level, but their cells might be hypersensitive to it, which could cause cancer, but the level's normal. The level of estrogen could be low in the blood and the body could be hyper-responsive or hypersensitive to that estrogen and it's still um, a, a, a cancer promoter. Or a person might have a normal estrogen or even a very elevated estrogen and because it's elevated, the cell receptors in the body like those of the breast and ovaries and brain and other places, they become less sensitive because they're trying to regulate the amount of estrogen they're allowing in the doorway. You get it? So depending on how wide or how narrowly you open the door, that allows estrogen in or not to the next room. So the, the doorway is the receptor. So the receptor, so blood levels and saliva levels are not accurate. People waste thousands upon thousands of, of money of dollars uh, running these tests. So what do you do to know if your estrogen is, is the problem and that the progesterone is helping or hurting? You go by the cancer markers, you go by the imaging tests, but you cannot go by the levels of those hormones. That's just a biochemistry fact, a fact in laboratory medicine. They're just not that important. Um, on my website at drmichaelwald.com, if you go into the video section, you will find an interview of me on Channel 11 Picks. 
during which they're asking me about testosterone and what's the best way to test it. And I explain that it's best based on signs and symptoms and interview with the patient. And there was an endocrinologist on, I believe, after me talking about estrogen. And his, uh, he was asked the same question about estrogen and gave exactly the same answer I did. The levels of these hormones are just not that accurate. There's another post on this uh, Facebook page where the person says, Christina says, that this particular supplement, which contains a bunch of vitamins and things, is a good tool to use, but you need to know what you're doing. Always do lots of research first. Never rely on one thing. Make sure you're addressing all, and they say in capitals, all the root causes of cancer and not just taking random things. It works for some things, but it's best in addressing your living environment and getting all the toxins out while making sure that you're addressing deficiencies. All right, so there's a lot here. Number one, you can't address all the things and all the causes. And even if they were possible to, to, to do that, no individual is going to be able to do that on their own, uh, particularly if they have cancer. So hopefully the healthcare provider will do that. Should you do research on your own? Yes, yes. Uh, with a little bit of a, of a caveat, uh, often my patients misunderstand the, the research there. It's just, the, if you don't have a background to, to understand this and, and, and know biochemistry, for example, it, it is very difficult in medicine to make uh, heads or tails or, or accurately interpret a lot of what's out there in the medical literature. So you might read a study about how, you know, vitamin C can, can kill cancer cells, but if you read the fine print, the level in the blood uh, to have that effect is not even achievable in human beings, no matter how much you swallow of it. You'll vomit it before you can possibly get the levels in the blood the way they should. You'd have to start with intravenous nutrition and possibly be able to discontinue the intravenous nutrition, the only reliable way to increase the blood levels of vitamin C, which, by the way, Make vitamin C an oxidant in the IV, killing cancer cells. So oxidation may be a good thing for killing cancer cells. It definitely is. When it's killing cancer cells, when it's killing healthy cells, we have a problem. And finally, he says here, um, you know, address all the, the causes of the cancer. You can't do that. You just, you're not equipped to do that. I am not equipped to address all the causes, but all the major ones, yes. So when I see a patient, I, I see their given situation. I do additional research that is geared towards them as much as possible to tailor everything to that person. Do the right laboratory tests if, if appropriate and lots of questionnaires. So look, you, now you've heard it. There's a lot of controversial concept in here. I understand that. I'd love to hear from you. So again, for those of you listening, my name is Dr. Michael Wald. You can reach me by calling me at 914-552-1442. If you want me to work with you personally at a distance or in person, I would love to do that. And you can email me directly. This is my personal email, info at blooddetective.com. And my website is drmichaelwald.com. I'll see you at the next show. And thank you so much again for listening to Ask the Blood Detective. Show you the statue. Told-